Welcome, everyone. I'm so glad you decided to join us today here at our Bethel family. We are uh, one family in many locations, and it's an honor to come to you. I'm Pastor Marion Dalton, and God has just been doing so many cool things in our lives. You know, he gave us a vision that we are to be difference makers. That's right, difference makers every day in every way. And each year as we prepare our hearts for the coming year, God is so faithful to give us word for what he wants to do, what is kind of the, the big picture, the big vision for that year, not only for our Bethel family, but I believe for all believers who will grab hold of it. This year, that word is what? Freedom. That's right, freedom. Freedom every day, right? Freedom in our living Freedom in our loving, freedom in our giving, our serving, and yes, even our receiving. And as we begin to do that, it's freedom like never before. Now, that's kind of an unusual word considering the times we live in, as you know and I know, bad, living through 2020, and here we are in the beginning of 2021, with still dealing with COVID, still dealing with political unrest, still dealing with so many other things in our cultures that, that we really need answers for. But as we come to this time and we began to really understand if God gives us a word freedom, then there's a way to attain it. And we need to attain it, first of all, by submission to his word and by through his spirit. His spirit is always faithful to lead us and to guide us in whatever matter he's put on our hearts. Now, what's interesting about this, we kicked off a series just a couple of weeks ago, and, and it's entitled The Five Decisions I Must Make to Have Freedom. And if we make these decisions that I'm going to begin to talk to you again today about, these decisions are the very framework that release freedom in your life. Now, they're not in any sequential order except other than the first one I gave you a couple weeks ago. That is simply that we must take responsibility for our life. Because if we don't take our responsibility for our life, it's like looking at a road map and saying, okay, I want to go to Cincinnati. Well, if you don't know where you're at, you could be in Lexington or you could be in Florida you must know where you are before you can begin to travel to where you need to go. And, and what you need to understand, and I need to understand, is we are the only ones that can locate ourselves. We must take responsibility for who we are and what we're doing in our life. That's the key decision. Now, after that, the other four do not have to be in a sequential order, but we have to consistently make those decisions, whether it's daily, weekly, or whatever. Now, the second week, Pastor Mark just delivered the, the second decision so powerfully, and that is simply, we must take our power back. You know, we got to take our power back, our identity in Christ, the DNA that greater is he who is in me than he who is in his world. Man, when you begin to take responsibility for your life and take your power back, not just as a good person, but as a son or daughter of God, walking in that authority, walking in that power, man, it changes everything. Then as we come into today, I'm, I'm going to kick off the third decision that we must make. The third decision that we have to consistently make every time it comes up in our heart or our spirit concerning freedom. If we want to truly walk in freedom, if we want to truly live a life of freedom in each key area, what is that? That is that we must understand that proximity is power. That's right. Proximity is power. And who we allow in our lives and who we uh, have in our lives is so critical. Why? It's critical because that's going to determine how you see yourself and how you see God. And as we understand that, really, 
whenever we begin to look at proximity as power, the main thing I want to talk to you about today is relationships. Number one, we have our relationship with our Heavenly Father, and that's what we really talked about in the first two decisions, taking responsibility of my life with Him and with others. And then last week, taking our power back as sons and daughters of God, our identity and, and our DNA. But man, as we look at really today, when we're going to walk in total freedom, we have to understand that it's up to us to walk in that freedom through what? Through pursuing proximity and inviting accountability. So we're the ones that's got to pursue. That's the decision we've got to make. Pursuing the, what? Pursuing proximity and inviting accountability. What happens is, you know, proximity is power. And, you know, you can just see someone who's hanging out with a, a leader, whether it's a business leader, a political leader, a spiritual leader, or even a family leader, and just the very proximity they have draws people to them, attention to them. Uh, it can open doors. It can close doors. Why? Because proximity is power. We see that proximity is power with Jesus and his disciples because he said, Father, you speak. I'll only give the words you give me to those who follow me. And we see that the power that they had, just being in his, in his atmosphere, in his proximity, and, and, and then how once he was resurrected and he released the paracletos, the Holy Spirit, to live with us and among us and in us, those that believe, what happened, man? They began to deal with life. It took a while to get the level of freedom they needed to be the apostles God had called them to be. But boy, did they, did they went out in a big fashion. And how did they do that? They understood that they had to go back in their heart and mind all those times they were with and near and around Jesus and understand the power he walked in. And then they received the anointing, the manifested presence of God on their life time and time again. Every time they came up to a situation, it reminded them, oh, that's what he did when he healed and opened Simon's blind eyes. Oh, that's what he did when he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. And we see the apostles now People are receiving power by just being in their proximity. And they're living off the manifested proximity they had with Jesus. So I want you to understand, it's not only a spiritual principle, but it's a natural principle. And if we don't handle our relationships properly, if we're not in the proper peer groups for us to grow and to, to, to walk out the assignment God put on our life and has called us to, and if we're not walking out uh, uh, through that power of proximity, what's happening, and we're not holding ourselves accountable, then those around us that are drawn to us, that the Holy Spirit leads into our life, those in our family, our friends, our career, our ministry, they're not going to become all they need to become. And we're going to be that, that gap that holds them back. So as we realize that proximity is what? Power, proximity is, is a gift that we must choose from God. That's right, because you and I each have our unique relationship with God and we're unique individuals. There'll never be another you. You're the best you that God ever created and made. So therefore, there are certain people he's drawn into our, our sphere of influence. And it's going to be critical for us to, to handle that properly with the right kind of integrity. And if we're going to have the true freedom that God wants us to live in, freedom to live every day, what? In our life, in our loving, in our giving, in our serving, and yes, in our receiving, then we have to understand that proximity is the abil has the very ability to bring heaven to earth. Because when Jesus was asked how he must pray or we must pray, 
when his disciples asked him, what did he say? How it be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, what? As it is, as it is in heaven, on earth. So thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What was he saying? He was bringing the very proximity of heaven through his relationship and intimacy with his heavenly father. It wasn't the fact that he was a son of God and came. It was the fact that he was the son of God, living as man, but still keeping the father's mission and plan and relationship in his close proximity of his heart. And therefore, it spilled out on all of those around him. So what happens is the very proximity we walk in with God and with others can bring heaven to earth. How does that happen? It happens through our relationship, number one, with our Heavenly Father, but it also happens with our peers and our peer group and our friend group. See, it's, it's already proved in social science that we are the sum total of the five, five people we hang out with. That's kind of the level of influence and leadership we walk in and the abilities we begin to release. It doesn't mean we don't have more potential and more abilities, but we seem to level out around the standard we set or the, the five people that are most influential in our life that have the closest proximity to us, whatever the standard of that group is kind of becomes the standard for each individual. And when you want to grow and walk at an entirely new level of freedom, you got to look at your friend group. you got to look at who you're in relationship with, whether that's those in the church, those in ministry, business, family. And you got to assess that. And, and you certainly want to keep... Obviously, your family will always be in your proximity and, and key friends, but we can't allow ourselves to spend, you know, 80% of our time with people that are not lifting us up, that we can't always spend time with people we got to lift up or we got to be the ones that kind of level out the playing field. But if we want to really live in the next level, we got to be like Elisha, man. He hooked on to Elijah, right? And, and he walked in that power. He walked in that how by putting water on the prophet's hands, by getting his food, by serving him, by, by ministering to him, by protecting him. And, and therefore, he received a double portion of Elijah's anointing. I believe God just has a double portion for us as many times as we want to receive it over and over. But it's going to challenge us to take accountability, to be accountable to those we allow in our proximity and those who we are in their proximity. Because that's how we grow, Right? God called us in this thing not to do it alone. He called us in this as a great co-mission, not only to commission with him, but that mission involves his other sons and daughter. So if we're going to walk in that, that success and we're going to walk in that kind of relationship and the kind of freedom that we have been talking about over recent weeks, we got to surround our people that can help us uh, release our difference maker anointing. So if I want to be a difference maker and be a difference maker every day in every way, bringing transformation in the lives of those around me, bringing transformation to my family, my church, my community, and my nation or even nations of the world, I got to hang around world shakers. I got to hang around other difference makers. And I got to become that kind of difference maker. Why? So I attract people to me. Now, this is not about, you know, some personality guru deal. This is truly how God works. He works through his anointing and his presence and his manifestation. And as you and I, remember, think about it. As you spend time with God, like we just came off an amazing fast here at Bethel, and just think about all of you that, along with me that have been fasting. Maybe you don't attend Bethel and you've been fasting. 
Think about the anointing and the level of presence and power and discernment and clarity you walk in when you come out of that time with God, whether it's a day or three days, seven days or 21 days, whatever it is, whenever you set time aside, what are you doing? You say, man, I'm clearing out the proximity around me and I'm welcoming the Father and the Holy Spirit to be in that sphere with me. And what's it going to do? It's going to raise your standard because you're a standard bearer for God. And as you begin to release yourself to him with intimacy and openness and transparency, he already knows everything about you. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.12, he not only knows you, but he, your heart, but he knows the very intentions of it. In Matthew's gospel, it says he not only knows you, but what? He knows the number of hairs on your head. For some of you guys out there, you know that's a real miracle, as, as do I. We have to understand that proximity is power. Anytime we open up our sphere of proximity for God, the Holy Spirit, his word to move, He's going to oblige us. But he also wants you to live this life out to where you're bringing that same presence and power in the lives of others, where we constantly raise the standard. We would call it raise the bar of our life, right? Raise the standard in our life. A lot of people say, well, I raise the standard by doing good things and being good. Well, that's more a manifestation of what's going on inside you because what's happening inside you is much greater than what's happening to, around you. Why? Because greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. And the Bible says that as believers, we're not wrestling in Ephesians 6. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. But we're wrestling against principalities and power and wickedness in high places. So to do that, the Bible says that a three-stranded cord is not easily broken. So it's important that we have people in our sphere of proximity. We hold ourselves accountable and them accountable together and we become a strong binding cord that God can use, man, not only to raise our standard and to grow us and to encourage us and to lift us up, but to grow and love and encourage and lift up so many other people that need what you have. Let me tell you something. You've got some things in you no one else has. God has deposited some gift, gifts and grace and talents in you, words of encouragement in you that only you can give, that you can uh, delve out to other people, but you can't do it if you don't have the right people in your proximity. And it's so critical that we understand that. Now, as we look at this, we realize the Bible said what? That bad company, what corrupts good character? Bad company uh, corrupts good character. Well, good company encourages good character. Now, we look at character as I do the right things, I say the right things, I'm being good. It means you're a person of integrity and honor. That's one part of the definition. But if you go back to the orig or orientation of that word, the original orientation where it came from, it was not only talking about that. That kind of was built on later. What it was really talking about was the foundation or structure of someone. So when they were talking about it from the Greek, when you have good character, they were talking about you have a good beginning, a good foundation, a good understanding. In other words, it's like a well-built house has to what? It has to have a strong foundation. It has to be, the foundation has to be dug deep. And then you, in that time, they'd put mud and clay and straw and it'd become like concrete. Today, we use concrete, right? And we build it up. Then we put some other substance, whether it's block or whatever. But eventually, we lay the wood band around that foundation if we're building a home. And then what happens is we begin to build the walls, the floors, and all that. So it's the same way in your life. God is looking at your structure. So when I have the right people in my life, they're bringing the right structure. They're strengthening 
my house, my character in areas it's weak in. So what I want to do is I want to be iron sharpens iron. I want to be have people in my proximity and relationship with me that are challenging me, but also encouraging me. And I'm challenging them and encouraging them. And then the way I look at it is I've got three different groups in my life of proximity that are in proximity with me. Number one is a group I'm reaching to that I have to be around, whether it's reading about books or listening to podcasts or going to events or people that I'm fortunate enough to have in my life that I could call and spend some time with that really mentor me, right, that I'm reaching up to them. And then I need another group in my proximity that are peers of mine that, that, that we're kind of on that same level, but we're reaching to be what God wants us to be so we can touch more people for him and bring more people to him. And, and that is kind of that peer group that's so critical. It's that four or five people in and around your life that are so necessary, what? To build your character, to build your foundation and to make sure your house is strong and sure and that it's going to do what it needs to do. You see, so many people are trying to discover God's will. And, and, and to discover God's will, it takes passion. Well, what is passion? You know, a lot of people think, oh, passion is just this emotion or whatever. You know what passion is? Passion is energy. It's when you think about something or someone and you get energy, man. You get excitement. You get joy. You get strength. You get courage. And you can, like, like David, when he had to encourage himself in the Lord. And what is that? that that's, a, that's passion, but passion brings energy. And energy is another word for the anointing of God. In the New Testament, it's the uh, energema or energeia. And what is that? That is the energy, the anointing, the power of God that, that breaks strongholds like dynamite and explosion, but it also becomes a dynamo which builds up and edifies. And what I want you to realize is that's why we must be accountable to God and, and to have the right people in our proximity, but we also need to hold one another accountable, not in a way of judging, but in a way of transparency, opening, openness, and love. And that's what the body of Christ is really about. We're here to bring energy. We're here to bring passion. We're here to bring power. What? To save the lost, to bring heaven to earth, to heal the sick, to set the captives free. I mean, think about Acts 10, 38 is a big scripture for us here at Bethel about making a difference because it says Jesus went about doing good. I want you to type doing good. Just type yes in the comments, right? Doing good. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Man, Jesus healed the sick. He set the captives free, but he also was doing good. And you and I need to be, have people in our proximity that help us to do good, to do good to one another, to do good for our fellow man, our fellow woman, to do good for our people in our community, our church, and our nation. We're here to serve, man. That's what Jesus did. Jesus went about doing good. And that's the key to us. So if we have corrupt people and a corrupt character, char char so if we have a corrupted character, what's that mean? That doesn't mean, oh, you're an evil person. That means when you have holes in your armor, you have, you have cracks in your foundation. So God can't really reveal his will to you in his fullness because you can't handle it. Why would God give me something that's going to destroy me? Didn't Jesus say, you earthly fathers are evil and you, who, you give good gifts to your kids, but not to your enemies. But our Heavenly Father gives good gifts that are perfect and from above. So what's he saying? He said, man, you know, it's such a high understanding that we keep seeking 
and looking for His will, we never get anything done. Stop looking for His will and live in His will. And that begins with being accountable with, the, with those in your proximity and in your sphere of influence that you are iron sharpening iron and you're building a house. You're building a life. You're building His will, His plan, and bringing heaven to earth. You know, John 10.10 10 says it well. It says, I came, Jesus said, I came so that in the message Bible, it says, I came so that they could have real eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. God wants you to have a better life. You can't even imagine the kind of life he wants you to have. But you can't settle. You just can't settle for, for where you're at, man, and say this is, and live status quo. Well, you can. And uh, the bad thing about that is it won't even stay at status quo. It'll just get worse and worse and worse. So I want to encourage you right now that, that this is a time, especially in this season, when God's given us a word that we can have freedom like never before in our loving, our living, our serving, our giving, and our receiving like never before. Man, I don't want to miss that. How about you? If you say, I don't want to miss it, say yes, man. Put it in the comments right now. And it's time to raise our standard. What is our standard? It's our character. It's the people we allow in our life and the people whose life we influence. Now, now here's something I'd like to take the next few minutes and share with you um, and, uh, and give you a little bit of a challenge today to be a difference maker for God and, and how to, it's time to find your people. You know, when I say who are those people in my, that, have that, that have that standard with me in my sphere of influence or in my proximity, remember proximity is power and it's only as powerful as that group that come together under God and it's time to find your people. And I just want you to say it out loud. I'm going to find my people. That doesn't mean the people in your life now are not good or they're bad. And it may be some of them you got to keep. That doesn't mean you're going to discharge them from your life. It means you might not spend as much time with some people that you've been spending with and find other people that's going to help you raise the standard. So you, in other words, you got to take accountability. You got to be accountable. Your friends are not accountable for you and God. You got to be accountable for yourself. And if you want to to, to, to do the things God's called you to do that blow your own mind away and other people's minds away so that it brings benefit and eternal significance. How do you do that? You got to find your people. Say, so I want you to say out loud, I got to find my people. The Bible is, talks about it real clear in Acts chapter 4 about finding our people. I mean, we find this time where Peter and John, man, they, they come to the temple and there's a crippled man there, and he's a beggar, and he's asking them, can I have some silver, some gold? He's rattling his cup. They look down at him, and, and, and he's a crippled man. And he's been crippled, I think, for 38 years or something like that. And they say, silver and gold we have not, but as we have, we give to you. And what were they saying? They were, and, and they said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And this man, they lifted him, and he rose up and walked. And it was such an astonishing miracle because at this same church or temple, you imagine the same crippled man there begging his family, carried him every Sunday, every day, seven days a week. Now all of a sudden you see these two wild men for Jesus who was crucified. Now they, they had a, a healing anointing that healed this man. He instantly walked. So, you know, the Sadducees, they were so sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the supernatural. And, and the Pharisees, what they do, you know, they called him before the religious courts and they, they were going to kill him. But Gamaliel was there, and a very wise man who actually was one that had trained Paul, he said, uh, if these men be of God, then it'll stand. If it's not, it won't. And he, he recommended they only beat them. And beating them, they did. 
But what's wild, when we see this process work out, it didn't cause them to back down. They were such an influence on one another. But we would think Peter and John and those guys had this great uh, influence on one another. They did, but there was other people in their proximity they were accountable to, and we're going to look at it. So we see this in Acts 4.23. Uh, we'll read it from the NIV. It says, on their release, when they got released from, from being uh, held in jail and were beaten, Peter and John went back what, to their own people. That's where we get that from, right? In the NIV, it says they went back what, to their people, to their own people, and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. So look at someone and say, you're my people. Turn to somebody at your home or at work and say, you're my people, right? You got to have your own people. Who? People who release the power of God in your life and bring heaven to earth. We see in the rest of Acts 4, it gives us a good picture about finding your own people. I'm going to go through this really quick here. It says in verses 24 through 34, so let's start in 24. It said, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. So their people were excited, right? And they said, sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. So if you're going to find your people, they need to be what? Praying people because they raise their voice and they pray to their sovereign God. So, you know, if, if you, that doesn't mean you can't have business people in your proximity and growth people, but you've got to have some spiritually strong men and women in your life that, man, when you come to them, whether it's a celebration or it's a tragedy, they're going to lift up prayer with you and they're going to stand with you. We see in verse 25, it says, and they said, you spoke to the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. Why do the nations of the earth rage and the, peoples, uh, the people plot in vain and the kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one? So what should your people be? Not only prayer warriors, but your people. If it's your people, your tribe, in your proximity, they need to be people who know God's word. That's right. Pray and then know God's word and have the faith to stand on it. We also see in verse, jump down to verse 29, and they said, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Man, they, they were threatened like, if you do this, we'll, we'll crucify you. We'll put you in jail. We'll do and they said, man, embolden us so we can do more miracles, more signs. What are, they, what are they? They're people who stand in faith, even in times of tragedy, even in the time of trouble. Then in verse 30, it says, Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of our Holy Spirit, our Holy Servant, Jesus. Your people need to be people who believe in miracles. Your people need to be people who perform miracles. And if you're not doing that, get around some people that do. Get around some of our Bethel people. We're all about miracles, signs, and wonders. I think my microphone's doing a little something. Yeah, it's loose there. Let me tighten it up. So believe in miracles. Now, verse 31, it says, after they prayed, the place, man, think about this. If this was your prayer team, right? If this was your buddies, these were the people in your proximity that you were doing life with. Verse 31, it said, and after they played, prayed, the place was shaken where they were meeting and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word boldly. Man, think about that. People that, man, when they pray, the building shakes. And guess what? You get a fresh feeling of the Holy Spirit. Man, in other words, People, your people and my people, they need to be people that are not just filled with the Holy Spirit, but they get filled over and over. They're hungry for the fruit 
and the things of God. And then in verse 32, it says, all the believers were in one heart and mind. What's that saying? Your people need to be people who live in unity. One heart, one mind. Man, what God can do with the church in unity. And then a second part of that says, no one claimed to have any of their possessions that were their own, but they shared everything they had. Your people need to be generous people. I'm not just talking about people who are rich or in the eyes of the world, but the up and out and the down and out, whatever. No, man, generous. That means I am generous with my time, with my giving, with my serving, with my loving, and with my praying. And then finally, verse 33, it said, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. What's it saying? Great people, great power, that they walk in great power. You got to surround yourselves with people that walk in great power. And then the next, let me just kind of rush it here. Then it says on down there in verses 46 and 7, it says, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. Your people need to people be people that go to church. Your people need to be people, man, that are hooked up in small group ministries and leadership groups and and fellowship, relationship groups, and outreach, and missional groups. We need to be people that love to be together. Let me bounce back here real quick to, to Acts 2, back to verses 46 and 47. It says, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. Guess what? Your people need to be the kind of people that love to be together. They love to go to church. They love to do ministry. They love to do outreach and those sorts of things. And then it says they broke breads in their homes and they ate together and they were glad with sincere hearts. In other words, man, they like to get together. They like to have fun. And then the next verse says they were praising God and enjoying favor with all the people. Man, your, your people, your guys, the people in your life, they need to people be the people that love to go to church. They love to get together in fellowship. They love to do ministry together, and they love to praise God no matter where they are. And, you know, we have those kind of people here at Bethel. You say, man, where are those crazy praising people? Where are those people that like to eat together and have fun together? Where are those people that like to do ministry and minister to the homeless and, and serve the community hundreds of thousands of pounds of food? Where are those people that love to pray together? And where are those people that believe in those miracles, and they have miracles happening all the time in their church and in their lives? I tell you, we're right here at Bethel. And I'm so glad you've joined us today. And I want to tell you, you can join up with us. And, and even if you live in another state, you can be part, become part of our ministry and begin to have relationship and make people like that peers in your life and help you bring proximity. We have a powerful ministry called Connect Groups. And Connect Groups is where we do discipleship. So we do it through Zoom calls and video conferencing. We do it in person. We do it around our city and homes. We do it in other states. People are part of Zoom calls uh, and, and growing together with friends and having fun and building our faith uh, through our connect groups. And, and we're kicking those off again, our new semester. And then another thing is, if you're really into leadership, there's a process to get in it. It's invitational only, but we have quite a few people in it. And that's called our edge groups. And man, I'll, I'm crazy about our edge group. It's like a mastermind. It's like bringing six to eight minds together in the spirit of God, and we're just all growing together. We do it every week. It's really a coaching situation where I lead two of those groups, and we have a lot of them. <clears throat> we have three different levels of them, 
And uh, man, it's, it's just where we do life together and we grow together through leadership. And we have people, again, in different cities and other states that's part of our edge groups. And they're doing ministry in their community, in their neighborhood, just like we are here, but they're part of our family. So I encourage you today, wherever you're at in your life and your walk, and, and uh, man, if you need to raise your standard and you're looking for some people to connect with, Bethel's the place. We're, we're going to have a, a way here in a moment. They'll put it in the comments and, and how you can make a comment and you can connect with us right here and be part of our family. So today, if you're far away from Christ, I want to pray with you and it's time to come home. Man, I'm not even going to, you know, lay it on you heavy today and emotional. I'm just say, man, if you want Jesus, he wants you. He always wanted you. He'll, he'll always want you. But today's the day of salvation. Tomorrow's promise to no man. So how about, why don't you come home to Christ today? I'm going to pray with you. And then I'm going to pray for all those that want to raise your standard and, and really be a, take accountability for your proximity because that's where your power is. Let's pray. If you want to give your life to Christ, pray this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I believe you rose from the dead. I know you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And by your blood, my sins are atoned. Jesus, come be my Lord and Savior. And I give you praise in your name. Amen. That's all it is, man, to believe in your heart and confess your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And we, that is the most important thing we do here every service and in every event where we participate in. The second thing is, if you're just looking for Man, you're hungry to increase your proximity and the power of those in your proximity, and you're looking for a place. I want to pray for you that you can find a way to connect with us here at Bethel. We want to be here and serve you. I want to pray for you. Father, I just thank you for everyone just wanting to increase the power of their proximity and their relationships and hold themselves accountable, but be with other people that hold themselves accountable, not just about doing good or doing right or wrong or being right or wrong, but building the character, the house, the that the foundation that you put them in so that they can attain the will you called them to have and to live out. And they can love people just like you love them and serve and, and make a difference every day in every way with other believers that have that same desire and heart as they do. Connect us with them, God. I just pray you draw them to us and draw them to our leadership so we can serve them and help them. And if not, God, I pray they find somewhere they can connect. I don't want anyone out there alone give you praise. We give you glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Well, I sure do love you, and it's an honor to serve you. Can't wait to see you. Come and see us live here at Bethel every Sunday. If not, just keep joining us like you are. See you soon.